with the Holy Ghost, just put your hands right here on your innermost being and just pray in tongues. If you're not yet filled, just go ahead and just pray and ask God to help you get stirred up. We stir ourselves up. We thank you for the Holy Ghost that gives that gives insight, that gives revelation, that provides unction. And we do And this first Sunday of 2017, Father, in your name, in the name of Jesus, we are committing this year unto you. At the head of the year, we are saying, Lord, here we are. Here we are. All that we are, all that we have, we give to you. We dedicate ourselves afresh and anew to your service and for your glory and for your honor. In the Mendra And we thank you that your will, your plan, and your purpose for our lives, for this church. Oh, the course, the course, and the medesata, and the path that you have amandroshataha. Oh, that you have ordained for us to walk in. We as a church family, we will fulfill our call and our destiny in the name of Jesus. And we will reach reach multitudes with the gospel, with the good news this very year. Hallelujah. And the anointing shall increase and rise and rise and rise from one degree of glory unto the next. And we thank you, Lord, for great manifestations of the Holy Ghost. We're thanking you for the gifts of the Spirit. We're thanking you, Lord, for signs, wonders, and miracles in 2017. Hallelujah. The year of the great glory. The year where your goodness and your favor does freely abound. We receive it and we declare it. In Jesus' name. Amen. You agree with that? Go ahead and say amen. You may be seated and I do believe we have CIA. So if you've got children, you can go ahead and go to your class there. Kamaya, we've got a couple little guys over here. Now, Kamaya, if no one's in there, make sure you come back, okay? (laughs) You're a good girl, but we can't leave you in charge. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to see everybody tonight. Thank you for being here. And uh, I I mentioned it this morning, and I'm going to be starting a new series Thailand Holy Fire. You know, our God, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 29, that our God is a consuming fire. That's one of his characteristics. That's who he is. He's not into cold and he's not into lukewarm. You know, my husband is a lot like God in all different areas. He's hot spiritually and he also, he likes his food hot. I don't know how many times that we've been out and, and ordered, you know, and he doesn't do it in a mean way. But if the food's not hot, he's like, okay, let's get some fire on this. He likes everything hot. 
But that's a good characteristic. We're to like to be hot and on fire for God. Amen. In the Old Testament, we're going to look at a lot of Old Testament scriptures tonight because we're going to build our case and we're going to be doing this for at least three weeks on the, and two weeks from Sunday tonight. I know for sure we're going to have a laying on hand service and we're going to call down fresh fire, but we're going to build up to that. Okay. We're going to lay a foundation through the word to get to that point. But you know, in the Old Testament, Fire came down from heaven. And I was just studying this recently, all the different accounts in the Bible when fire came and what the purpose was and what it did. On many occasions, fire would come down, and we'll look at some of these scriptures here in a minute, and uh, in the form of a fiery cloud and commune with Moses and commune with the children of Israel. On other times, uh, lots in the book of Leviticus, when they would offer sacrifices, it said the Fire would fall from heaven and consume the sacrifice. And then we know, we'll look at this one too, where the children of Israel, once they were led out of Egypt during the day, they were led by a cloud. And at night, they were led by what? A pillar of fire. And then there were also times when fire would come down from heaven and would destroy the enemies of God. Now, in the New Testament, in Old Testament, the fire came down from heaven and did these things. In the New Testament, fire fell on the believers to ignite them with power, to ignite them with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So as I was praying about this message, I started thinking about, just dropped in my heart, holy fire. I started thinking about in the Bible when the word holy is used. Holy God is used many times. Holy God, Holy Father. How about the Holy Word of God? Our Bibles, many Bibles, if you'll open your Bible up, many of them say it. This particular one doesn't, it's a spirit filled, but it says the Holy Bible. And then how about the Holy Ghost? Or the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to talk about now, the holy fire from heaven. So let's just look at some biblical examples of when that fire fell from heaven. One that I want to look at is when Solomon was dedicating the temple. This was a beautiful building. It took them, I don't know, 40 some years to build this temple. And they were at the day of dedication over in second chronicles chapter seven verse one through three we want to look at what happened on the day of that building being dedicated second chronicles seven verse one through three when solomon had finished praying what fell down what came down fire by say fire, fire. and say it like this far holy ghost far came down from heaven And it consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Then verse two, and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Now let me make some comments and we'll look at the next verse, but fire came down and once the fire 
came down and consumed the sacrifices, then what happened? The glory showed up. Many accounts in the Bible, the fire preceded the glory. I believe that that's the stage that the church is in right now. We're in the stage of Holy Ghost fire, rekindling the embers and fanning the flames in the church of the living God. It's not the time for the church to be dead. It's not the time time for the church to be passive. We got a work to do. We got a world to reach. And the only way that's going to happen is if we're ignited. With the fire of God. If we're like the prophet of old that says it's Jeremiah said it was like fire shut up in my bones and I could not keep it to myself. So before we're going to have all these glorious manifestations, which I know we're going to have of gifts of healing and miracles and all of this, we got to have the fire on the inside of the believers ignited. The fire preceded the manifestation of the glory. The fire consumed the sacrifices. What does it say in the book of Hebrews about our praises? That we are to offer unto God the sacrifice of praise. Praise is a sacrifice. And when we offer it ignited with the Holy Ghost and fire, guess what? We're offering that praise to him and the fire comes down and the glory manifested, manifest. We're expecting this to happen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's read on down here to verse three and we're going to see how powerful of a manifestation this was. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and they worshiped and they praised the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. Pastor had to say that. Let's say it again. Praise the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. So when they saw this manifestation of the fire and the glory, they fell on their face before God. It says their faces to the ground on the pavement. I'm expecting and I'm looking forward to the time when we're all on our face in here eating carpet. Thank God we got carpet and we don't have to lick the pavement, but we're on our face on the carpet, just overcome with the presence of the Lord and his goodness and his mercy. We're not looking at it tonight, but it's an account over in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Again, when they were dedicating the temple and what happened? The praisers and the singers, their voice became so united as one that the glory filled the temple. And nobody could stand. Hallelujah. We're not in this place trying to resist the moving of the Spirit of God. We are here to assist the moving 
of God. And y'all are to be commended. You're here on a Sunday night. That tells me that you're hungry. How many of you are hungry? Hungry for God and hungry for more. So when the fire showed up, it consumed the offering. When the fire shows up in our lives, we're going to look at this later on, but what does the fire do when it shows up in our lives? It purifies us. So was I saying. So when the Holy Ghost, when the fire shows up, it cleanses, it purifies, it makes us more Christ-like. It makes us become who he intended for us to be. It consumes insecurities. Did you know that? It gets rid of lies and hindrances that would hold us bound. The devil is a master at telling people what they can't do. And it's so many people, they've had things in their heart. Maybe some of you, things in their heart that they know God has called them to do. Whether, you know, it's a ministry thing or even a vocational thing or or a new career. Sometimes people are just held back by fear. But when the fire of God shows up in a person's life, gets rid of the I can'ts, hallelujah, burns out the I can'ts, gets rid of the fear, and it brands on the inside of us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. There was a man of God who had some serious issues. His name was Moses. Anybody ever heard of Moses? Now, we know that Moses was raised in Pharaoh's palace by his daughter. But we also know that when he grew up and he found out who he really was and that he was really an Israelite, he went down and he watched all of the bondage that they were under, all of the enslavement, and he couldn't handle the way they were being treated. So he killed an Egyptian soldier and it caused him to have to flee for his life. He ran. Out into the desert. How many years did he spend in the desert? Anybody know? Forty years. Forty years on the backside of the desert. I'm sure that it was easy for him to think, God's forgotten about me. I'll never be used again. I thought his hand was upon me because he spared my life. He caused me to be raised in Pharaoh's palace. I thought his hand was on me. I thought he had a plan. But after I messed up, I made that mistake. So now God's forgotten me and I'll never be able to be used again. But that changed one day. You know what changed it? Well, let's look in Exodus chapter three. This is what changed it. And got him back on course and back smack dab in the will of God. Exodus chapter 3 verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of the Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mount of God. And the angel of the Lord, verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. So when Moses saw that he had turned aside to look, 
God called to him from the midst of the bush and he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Well, Moses was not expecting this to happen, but he had an encounter with the flame of fire. He had an encounter with a fiery bush. And if you read this whole context here, this whole chapter, God was telling him, this is what you're going to do. You're going to deliver my people. I've heard their cry. It's time for them to leave Egypt and you're going to be their leader. And Moses starts offering all sorts of excuses. I can't Lord. I won't Lord. There's no way I can do this. What am I going to tell Pharaoh? He knows who I am. What am I supposed to say when I walk in there? Who sent me? And we, I love this response. The Lord said, you tell them I am that I am has sent you. You tell them, I'll show you this sign. I'll give you, uh, you'll know that I am with you and I'm able to use you and I'm able to deliver my people through your hand. It started with an encounter of a flaming, fiery bush. The Holy Ghost showing up in your life will make a difference. I like this quote. You might think you're a weed. You might think you're a bush. But any bush will be radiant when it burns with the fire of God. (laughs) Woo! Any bush can become radiant when it burns with the fire of God. Any old bush. Hallelujah! And we know that God did use Moses. And it was not in his own power. He had God's divine intervention. He had God's help every single step of the way. He had to make the decision, I'm going to get out of this desert place. Some of you might feel like you're in a dry and a barren land. You're in a dry place spiritually. But I want to tell you something. All that it takes is for one encounter of the Holy Ghost and fire. Every day you ought to get up and be expecting and be looking. Okay, where's that burning bush? Where's that fire of the Holy Ghost? And as soon as he ignites something on the inside of you, you got to be like Moses. You got to stop making excuses and say, here am I, Lord, here am I, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. He stood, he stepped out and he stood on God's promises and he became a great leader that brought the children of Israel out of bondage. So let's keep tracking his story here a little bit. Exodus chapter 13. Can anything good get come out of Exodus? I've been reading a book of Exodus all week and I've been getting blessed. You can get blessed in Exodus. You can even get blessed in Leviticus. I've been reading some stuff in there and I won't, you know, get that on you tonight, but we're going to track out Exodus. Exodus 13 verse 20. First of all, at the beginning of this chapter, it says it came to pass that Pharaoh let them go. I love that phrase. It came to pass. Our spiritual father, Kenneth E. Hagan, he's been in heaven since 2003. 
that a lot of times when he would give a word of prophecy, he would start it out with, it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. Hallelujah. What God told Moses was going to happen, it came to pass. Pharaoh let them go. Let's continue this story in verse 20 of Exodus 13. So they took their journey from Sukkot and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. They had a physical evidence of God's presence and God's leading. It was visible as a cloud during the day, the glory cloud, and a cloud of fire by night. You and I may not have physical evidence, but we got the spirit of the living God on the inside of us. We got the written word, the holy written word that will lead us and guide us and direct us in the ways that we should go. What do we call the manifest manifest presence of God? We call it the glory, the Shekinah glory. It's been described as a thick cloud glistening like the sun on fresh snow. This fiery cloud, it appeared not just for a few days, for 40 years, even when they were wandering in the wilderness after their disobedience, that pillar of fire and that cloud still appeared to them. That fire of God rested on Mount Sinai a few times. But when Moses would commune with God, he'd call him up to that mount. And there was a tangible presence of God in that place. Let's look at Exodus chapter 19 at one of those accounts. Exodus 19 verse 16. I'm okay. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all of the people in the camp trembled. And Moses brought in, brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely covered in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of the furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. Woo. That's a tangible manifestation that shows us the power of our God. People say God's not real. Uh, yeah, 
God's real. We got it in his word, but we got when he showed up here. Do you think those children of Israel were doubting if God was real that day? No way. They knew God was real. And his presence was so tangible. If you'll read the rest of this chapter, that boundaries had to be set. God said, they can't come any closer than this. They can't touch my presence and live. Why? Because the fire of God is so hot and so powerful and so intense. It would have burned them to crispy critters. Did God want to fry them? No, he loved them. They were his chosen people. But because they weren't born again, they could not come into his holy presence without that fire consuming their unrighteousness. That's why you and I, we're born again. So the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne room of grace. Hallelujah. We're under a disposition, another dispensation. That fire that rested on that mountain now lives in us. We are wall to wall. Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Wall to wall. Fire of God. That mountain was completely covered, it says. God descended upon it to the degree that the very mountain began to quake. That fire that descended upon that mountain is the same Holy Ghost and fire that fell on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The fire of God that fell in Acts chapter 2 wasn't a mountain that shook. It was a building and it was people that quaked. Under the presence of God. Fire is very real. Fire is very tangible. Anybody in here ever been burned? Ever come in contact too close with the natural fire? Some of you might still have a scar on your hand or on your foot or wherever it was. I I used to back in the day when I used my curling iron a lot, I'd get some wounds sometimes because, you know, your hand gets tired of curling that big hair back in the 80s and you had the big hair and drop that curling iron. And sometimes I'd have a scar on my neck for weeks, a battle wound from trying to get big hair. So fire leaves an impression when you touch it or you get touched by it. It leaves a impression. Just ask Moses if there was any change in his life, not just from the fiery burning bush, but what about when he went up to Mount Sinai? He was the only one. He had to go through all these rituals and all of these preparations. And the people, when they saw the mountain shaking, they said to Moses, Ooh, you go talk to him. We'll wait right here. Let us know what he says. I mean, it was so powerful. They were afraid. We don't have to be afraid. But Moses, when he went up, he was changed. He was impressed. When you get close to the fire and touch it, there's going to be an impression upon your life. Let's see what happened to Moses. We're still in Exodus. Exodus chapter 34. Y'all liking this? You tracking with me? Exodus 34, verse 29. Now it was so 
when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of testimony were in his hands when he came down the mountain, that's when he went up to get the Ten Commandments, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. When Moses communed face to face with God, his presence, his fiery glory seemed to get absorbed into his very face. To the degree that when he came down, the children of Israel, they couldn't look at him. When he went in a tent to go to bed that night, his wife said, oh, Moses, turn out the light. He said, honey, I already turned out the light. And then she said, put a bag or something over your head. I just, it's too bright in here. I just can't go to sleep. You're just shining too bright. It was obvious that he had been in the presence of the Lord. How long has it been since anybody accused you of being in the presence of the Lord? I'm not being mean about it. But you know, when we come in contact with him, when we're in his presence, something ought to get off on us. His joy, his peace, the glow of the Holy Ghost ought to shine bright in our lives. I'm anticipating, I'm believing that we're going to have more of those encounters where we're not having to go up to people and tell them all the, and you know, even invite them to church, which is a good thing, but so much on us glowing with the spirit of God that they're going to start asking questions. Many years ago, and I, you know, I believe it's going to happen more often, but many years ago, I was not doing anything spiritual. I was at the dentist. That's one of the least spiritual things you can do. <clears throat> Been drilling on my mouth. The boys were still home. They were in high school and I had to get them something for dinner. Didn't feel like cooking. So I stopped at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And you know what? I end up that new colonel. I think he's creepy. I'm not endorsing Kentucky Fried Chicken or those weird commercials by that new colonel anymore. But this was back in the day with the original colonel. He was a nice guy. Anyhow, <laughs> side journey. Have anybody else seen those commercials? He's kind of creepy, that new guy. Anyway, so I went into Kentucky to stay in the glory. I went into Kentucky Fried Chicken to get the boys something for dinner so I didn't have to cook. And I'm walking in there, and these two ladies, they were sitting in there. They just kept staring at me and staring at me. And, you know, I've learned through the years to be friendly because maybe they visited the church. And I, you know, I didn't want to be unfriendly. So I smiled back, but <laughs> thinking, well, maybe I know them. I don't think I do, but whatever. Anyhow, so I'm walking out, and one of the ladies said, can we ask you something? I said, sure. They said, they didn't say, are you a pastor? Are you a Christian? I said, yes, I am. And that lady said to me, when you came in, we saw him on you. Yeah, exactly. I was like, whoa, what did that dentist give me? It was some laughing gas, but (laughs) 
the Holy Ghost. They said they saw him on me. I've been reading and I love to read about these past revivals. And I'm telling you, there's some good days just ahead, folks. We ain't seen nothing yet. But there's account after account of when people would get filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. How that he would be so tangible upon them. Just like in the book of Acts, walk out in the streets and people start saying, Woo, have you been with Jesus? Woo, lay hands on me. I need to be healed. We're in that season. We're in that time of visitation. And visitation brings saturation. Getting saturated. Going out and fulfilling the great commission. The presence of God is tangible. The presence of God is real. The love of God ministers to people. And that's what we are. We're all called to be ministers. How many of you have ever heard of Benjamin Franklin? Well, you know, I I like this about Benjamin Franklin. I read this recently. Benjamin Franklin was around when a guy by the name of George Whitfield. I don't know if you've ever studied after him, but he was an amazing preacher. A preacher. A fire and brimstone preacher. Many, many people, thousands of people got born again under his ministry. Benjamin Franklin said this. He confessed that he often went to hear George Whitfield preach because because he could watch him burn before his very eyes. Hallelujah. Watching George Whitfield burn could have been where he got the inspiration to go play with the kite in lightning. Who knows? Isn't that what he did? He invented electricity. He maybe saw the fire of God on George Whitfield and said, whoa, let's harness this fire. Let's get some electricity flowing here in the earth. God is into showing himself strong. God is into manifesting himself so that people know he is God. That was one of the things. If you read about the children of Israel, all their enemies, when they finally did get into the promised land and they had to go and take city after city, every one of those people had heard About the wonders and the signs and the miracles that God did for his people. Who are you? We are the people of God. Hallelujah. Living in a different age. Yes, but the church age. It's a better covenant established on better promises. So we ought to have more happening. I get inspired when I read the Old Testament stories. But we're not living in the Old Testament. We're under the new covenant. It's a better covenant. Hallelujah. We ought to be seeing more. How many of you are going to contend with me for the more? Hallelujah. Well, as we get over into the New Testament, we're not going to go all night because we've got a couple more weeks. But as we get over into the New Testament... I want to look at a term that John the Baptist used. 
John the Baptist was the first cousin of Jesus. And he was the one that really understood who Jesus was and what he came to do. Let's read what John the Baptist had to say over in um, Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. He was known for baptizing people in water. But he made this statement. Matthew 3.11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you. Read that part with me. With the Holy Spirit and far, 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 far. Too many people want to just speak a few words in tongues and say, okay, I've got the Holy Ghost. No, you're missing a major element. Holy Spirit and fire. Fire that burns some things out and burns some other things in. I love that John the Baptist had this revelation. Now tonight we are not going to go into all of the scriptures and acts. We'll be doing that probably next week. But this is what happens when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. When you are born again, over in the book of John, it says when we get born again, we have the well of salvation. How many in here are born again? Jesus lives on the inside of you beyond any shadow of a doubt. You can read those scriptures. When you get born again, there, you have a well of living water on the inside of you. But something happens to that well of living water when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And that something is found in Isaiah chapter 64. Verse 1 and 2. Isaiah 64, verse 1 and 2. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. He's referencing Mount Sinai. And I'll just throw this in there because we got a few more minutes. That when Moses went up to Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments, and that mountain was covered with fire, there was lightnings, there was smoke, that was on the Feast of Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost was when they received the Ten Commandments. And those Ten Commandments were given to them accompanied with fire, thunder, lightning, and a great shaking and a great quaking. And those Ten Commandments gave them higher revelation on how to live for God and how to be holy. How to be holy. So now... On the day of Pentecost, the same day, many hundreds of years later, the Holy Ghost and fire fell. And when he fell, 
gave the church new revelation, gave the church great power to live and be a better witness for him. So when we get filled, that well of water, I got sidetracked there when I saw Mount Sinai, but it was a good one anyway, wasn't it? Verse 2, when we get filled and those waters on the inside of us, as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. We have a mountain that trembled at the presence of the Lord. Fulfillment of this in Acts 2. People trembled under the power of the Holy Ghost. But we are coming into an age when nations are going to tremble at the presence of God. Hallelujah. God showing himself strong. The whole earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And we are alive in that day and age to witness it. We are people of God that get to contend for it and get to participate in it. Hallelujah. It's going to be through his church. It's going to be through his body. We don't want to play church. We don't want to be like the Bible says, have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That's not here. That's not us. Hallelujah. We are contenders for the glory of God, for the fire of God to fall and to manifest himself in this earth. Hallelujah. Let me just tell you. You might not know what you're doing here tonight, but you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I know why Pastor Mark was born. Pastor Mark is a revivalist. He's a pastor, but he is a revivalist. He's praying and he's contending just like I am. You know, his name means warrior. Guess what my name means? Brenda means enthusiastic, but it means fiery one. And I'm not planning on cooling off anytime soon. I'm believing and I know you're with me that we're going to have the fire of God. We were born for this. It's our time. It is our season. Hallelujah. How many of you are going to make the decision to rekindle the embers and to fan the flame? Hallelujah. Let's all stand.